I had had two conversations with Kobe. I think I told you that too. Like, that's it. And they weren't long. They were brief. They were very brief. Kobe wasn't really around. His influence was there, obviously. But um, it was us having a person that is so monumental and impactful in all of our lives that we were able to go to any team. We had teams from all around the country coming through that tournament at Florida. And there's thousands of kids running around. And we're the booth that has the Mamba shit everywhere. We've got the Normatex laid out. We've got the Theraguns. We've got iPads with like cognition technology and all these things that nobody's ever seen before. But what I cared about was like, listen, you right now have the chance to change your life. You can change your mentality forever. And I was, you know, telling my my guys, like, bro, every team that comes through here, we're changing their life for the rest of their life. And this wasn't like Kobe, you know, giving this telling, to us yeah. and telling us what to do or that was anybody just his else. Consciousness and his influence already right. having that name on you. Right. Welcome back to Be Great with Nate. Today, I got a very special guest with me, my guy, Matt. Before I let Matt speak, because I want Matt to introduce himself, I met Matt in um, Holistic Lifestyle Coaching Level 2 in San Diego. Um, I think that was back in like November, right? October, Mm -hmm. November? October. Last week of October. Last week of October. I met Matt there. And you, the first person I saw. And and when I came out the car, I was really nervous. I was like, what the hell am I getting Same. myself into? Like, who's going to be here? And I was just overthinking about the, the whole thing. But you were getting out your car and you got out your car. You were changing into like different shoes and stuff. And I was like, oh, this dude is a serious deal. Because I was like, this dude's in shape. He's tall. You know, I'm like, oh, this is this is really, this is a really good, uh, you know, visual to see what, like, who I'm going to be in class with. And then um, I remember class starting or whatever, and you and Alvi were the two people who I felt like, yo, I need to kick it with those guys because um, I felt like I can, you guys can relate to me and I can relate to you in some way. Um, and then during class, as Angie Check started to get deep into my story and stuff and pull things away, um, you were you came to me, you well, you screamed out in the middle of class like, hey man, I'm gonna be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hey man, I'm gonna be your friend. When the whole class was super silent, you know, she. So for those that um, that don't know about the Czech Institute, it's a holistic institute where it's basically the best um, holistic institute where you go and you learn on how to be a, a holistic coach to you know coach people on how to become healthier and stronger, a better version of themselves, but in a holistic manner. And um, it's a lot of steps to become a holistic coach. And I think that you and I went through it pretty fast, based on hearing you know your your couple of last uh, couple of months, basically a year and a half of you going through HLC one and two. But during a class, we had to, the, the teacher needed to make an example of somebody of being a client. And she made an example of me because my scores came back very red, which means my stress levels were extremely high. And um, when she was going through my information, she took my information of me giving myself my own test, basically HAQ, which is a self-test of seeing if you have any inflammation in your organs, any inflammation um, in your digestive system, which is an organ, your um, mood, depression, anxiety, and things like that. And then you have these open-ended questions where you have to answer openly, like the top five stressors in your life, what's stopping you from being happy. 
and she read these things out and I wasn't I, I didn't think she was going to read that out. Yeah. And it was it was kind of like low and dark, you know, in my life and it was real quiet after she read one of the things out loud and everybody's quiet and out of nowhere you hear Matt say, "Hey man, I'm going to be your friend." <laughs> what made you say that? Man, I'm I'm glad you asked and what a great way to to start off our conversation here. Um you know, we were in, I think, that was the last day, right? Yeah. That was the last yeah, day. Yeah, I think it was the last day, yeah. Um, you know, going through this process, and I know you can relate, and many people can, um, it's been like such a, a conscious, um, like leveling up process, an evolving process um, for me individually, where a lot of things that I've done and accomplishments and just chapters in my life um, I've known so many people and developed relationships and had a ton of friends you know um, think back specifically to my 30th birthday which I'm 32 now and we had Kristen and I had just moved into our house and I was working with Sports Academy and this was before it was Mamba and um, we threw a surprise 30th birthday and like a hundred people showed up and now fast forward to now i say that to to make the point of now you know i still it's not that i dislike or am not friends with those people that showed up but there's just been such a change in me that naturally um people kind of fall out of your life mm -hmm. i left a quote on my Instagram that came to me the other day that um, just kind of surfaced in my head from somewhere deep in my heart that had to do with the branches of my tree. And, you know, now I really take pride in the branches on my tree that are growing, you know, mm -hmm. towards the sun, if we're speaking metaphorically here. And I think a lot of my old relationships and old friends where we were in a common place on how we we thought and what we were after um, those were strong branches in those years and at those times but a lot of those branches now are you know more in the shade or they've mm. maybe fallen off my tree mm. and you know I'm at this stage in my life now where you know obviously you're at HLC too mm -hmm. which is not cheap mm -hmm. Um, you know, so it was not, it's not only, easy. Either. Yeah. And it's not easy. It's not, you know, anybody that shows up for HLC two is, is taking holistic health very seriously. Mm -hmm. And so those naturally are the type of people that, you know, I've begun to not just intentionally gravitate to, but I would say vice versa as well. You know, the, the people are gravitating towards me that are seeking out, you know, just, living a healthier, you know, more holistic lifestyle. And, you know, hearing you be so courageous and vulnerable uh, just resonated deeply with me, bro. Like I um, had gone through so much in 2020 as, you know, 2020 was crazy for all of us, but um, I had gone through several courses, you know, gratitude training, let alone HLC1 and different coaching programs. I let Alvi coach me. I did his, one of his group coaching programs, which was amazing. Um, 
And that was the first time in my life since I was a, a college athlete that I had let anybody coach me. Mm. And now, you know, being on Team USA, also not to leave that part of my life out, you know, I have Coach Hinson and I have some really great leaders on that team. But I make, th I make that point to just say that, you know, to recognize you in that moment, it, it reminded me of the courage that it took for me to be vulnerable and be open and not be always like the center of attention, the coach, you know, kind of the energy center for all of these, for all of, you know, the situations that I had been in, you know, in my career and, you know, with coaching so many different levels and people and types of athletes. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't know that when you asked, you know, such a simple question that it would be such a long-winded response, but I'm glad that you asked because, I you know, I didn't just say that out of my ass, right? Mm -hmm. I said that because I saw how how amazing I thought that it was and I respected you for stepping up and being the example for our class of, you know, what was it, 25 people mm -hmm. that were all that are all very, you know, serious about what we do. Mm -hmm. Um and you you really stepped up, man, and I just admired and respected that. And so that was a big part of why I said I wanted to be your friend. Um <laughs> second, you know, I I you're a college athlete too, you know, mm -hmm. I I think I I've been able to more recently just learn how to feel people and mm -hmm. feel their vibes and mm -hmm. you know like your vibe was so calm you know like mm -hmm. that would have been such an easy situation for so many people to you know uh, get uneasy or start to like you know sweat and make up answers and mm -hmm. say oh you know I've, I've tried to do this or that or this or that but you were just so raw with Angie and you know, she's what an amazing coach she is oh too. God. Like the process that she put you through was yeah. incredible. To it witness. was it was literally the first time I had you know your coach. So when you're coaching people, especially in a holistic way, um, in in just like counseling, because we do a lot of counseling, we do a lot of life coaching, we mm -hmm. do a lot of pullback on nutrition and working out. It was the first time that I was coached, and I felt what my clients would feel when they work with me. Right, right, and I felt. This she has this strong power. Her eye contact is she's a shaman at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. She knew everything before she asked me, bro. <laughs> she, I knew she knew it. But when she was asking me these questions, it was the first time like the little boy in me was able to confess all the pain that I was going through in my mm -hmm. life. And that's when it was like, and, and I forgot you guys were even there at a moment. Right. And then I was like, you know what? If I'm able to, we had people in the class who wasn't actually practicing this stuff yet who want to leave their job in a financial district of New York, Chicago, Miami, and want to become a coach. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if I put my life out there and I show how effed up my life was and how I turned it around, it can inspire them too. Right. So I really wanted to be an inspiration. But you're right, Angie was, she's a, she's probably one of the best coaches I've ever been around, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, I think, you know, to credit you and, and like just for being a client, you know, mm -hmm. and to flip the script on what you're so used to doing also, mm -hmm. you know, you're used to coaching a ton of people, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, on the East Coast. And so um, that was just super admirable. And I was like, I'm and, you know, 
finding out that you had just moved out here. Yep. And, you know, I knew that it was likely that you didn't have a ton of friends out yep. here quite yet. <laughs> and I didn't really know about Re yet, you know, and what she did. So I'm like, man, I'm I'm snatching this dude up as a friend yeah. for sure. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, my friends are... Um, uh, and not to, like, be the person who's like, man, fuck all my friends. I don't need yeah. them, you know. I don't think like that. I... If I could, I would bring everybody with me. But something that's coming up in my head right now, um, I do a weekly uh, group coaching call with Alvi and with mm. a group that I'm a part of with him. And there's a girl in there named Nadia. And she said a quote a couple of weeks ago that I think I also posted on my Instagram that's, I'd rather run with one than drag a hundred. Mm. And it hit me so deep, bro. Mm. It hit me in my soul. And the reason I think it did, I've been reflecting on it quite a bit for two weeks now, um, is that I've been dragging hundreds. I've been mm. dragging hundreds for my whole young career mm. and thinking that I could change everybody. Mm. When in all reality, you know, you and I know, you and I both know that the change comes from within yes. and you can't change somebody that's not willing to change themselves. Mm -hmm. And for me, finally, in my 31st year of life, now being 32, I figured out how to flip that script and figured out I got to coach myself first. I mm -hmm. have to be willing to do all of these things before I can expect anybody else mm -hmm. to be able to follow me or even want to follow mm -hmm. me. Um, so that's been a really fun and interesting process for sure. Yeah. And I think, I think the, the thing that um, kind of like mess with a lot of people too, with the situation when we was at the HLC too, is that like, if you met me, you probably never thought I had any of these issues. You know, I was the most talkative one there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, during our lunch breaks, I had like the whole class around me. I'm talking business with people. I'm talking about, you know, how I believe they can start their own business and how to do it and how to go about it. And then when that was pulled out, it was interesting. But I also remember anytime we waited, you know, for the bathroom, we always used, we start to talk too. like mm -hmm. me, you and I, we like just start kicking it. And I'm like, yo, you guys got to take my info down, man. You know, but, you know, that was a good day. But from that day, I want to let the audience know what happened from there. It's nothing but beautiful things. Mm -hmm. From that day, I was living in Studio City at the time. And um, I went back to my apartment. And immediately, I knew I had to work on some things, like as far as resting a little more. And um, you you always said, like, yo, Nate, like, I can, I'm, I'm very yin. I can be the yin in your life, you mm -hmm. know? Like, I can be that yin friend for you. And for those that don't know yang and yin... Yin is more like relaxing. I like to look at it as like the moon and the and, and yang is the sun. Mm -hmm. I was I was the sun all day. I was burning out the grasses and the trees and things of that nature. And um, what happened was I went back to Studio City and immediately I knew it gave me confidence. The class gave me a lot of confidence because I also saw not only how like much I have to work on myself, but how effed up I was as far as like not getting enough sleep, overworking not really believing in myself, even though I was accomplishing so much. But one thing that it taught me, bro, is like, yo, at 27 years old, I'm I'm, I'm ahead of the game right mm -hmm. now. You know, when I was in class, I found out like 95% of the people didn't even start their career yet. Right. You know, so I was like, oh, I'm ahead of the game. So it gave me confidence. But from there, we arranged a meeting to see each other. And then you were going through a little something. Mm -hmm. You were going through a transition. And I was like, hey, man, come up. And you were only like 15 minutes away from me in LA. Yep. So you came up to me, you brought Mamba, yeah. right? The pup, good pup. We took the dogs on a nice walk. And you were in a situation in your life where I wish that I, I was trying my best to show you what the you know what was it was gonna turn you into. 
you were going through a job um, transition, mm-hmm. a role transition, and um, you were taking a little time off of work and you were trying to find yourself. And while we're walking and we're talking, I felt that. I felt you feeling a little lost, but I also felt that, you know, when we're in those situations, I was in that situation like 17 times in my life. When we were in those situations, it's scary. And we spoke about that in the kitchen. He's like, yo, Nate, it's scary when you want to make this transition, hmm. being an entrepreneur, doing it by yourself. But I just remember me trying to like tell you over and over again on that walk, like, yo, bro, you accomplished so much. I learned about all the things you accomplished on that walk. Right. One of the things was actually Mamba Academy for Kobe Bryant, how you helped start that up, how you were running programs in there. Then you told me about like three, four other businesses that you helped start up and you run and raised money for. And I'm like, dude, you did this for so many other businesses, bro, that you can definitely do it for yourself. And I didn't want to let you go that day. Like we went back to the park. I didn't want to leave. Yeah, right. I didn't (laughs) want to let you go, bro, because I'm like, yo, I want to make sure by the time you leave that you feel 100 percent confident on making this decision on becoming basically an entrepreneur by yourself, starting career of being a coach and doing it by yourself. Mm-hmm. And then two, three months from that, you know, I move, I got a house now, I got a gym. Time is moving fast, right? But yes. like we getting things done. Two, three months from that, you come up with, you, you, came, you came up here, we talked and you told me you're about to make the move and you're ready for it. And then a month and a half later, you're here today and you made the move. Now you have 17 clients, right? You build the gym in the crib, mm-hmm. right? Which is fire. Mm-hmm. And so tell me, walk me through that. Walk me through. I like to look at it in my mind as like you as a cliff and people being scared to jump off the cliff. And anytime you think about going and you go on the end, um, at the end of the cliff, then you look over and everyone who's jumped, you never seen them again. So you don't know. But everybody's talking about when you do jump, you find happiness. But the people on top of the cliff are t- holding you back and saying, no, 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 you jump, you die. But you don't really, your gut is telling you to jump and you think about it and you think about it and then you finally jump. What made you jump? Man, I love the cliff metaphor. I love the cliff metaphor. And, you know, it's a good view at the top. I'll say <laughs> that. It's a good view at the top. And, you know, um, Man, just to give a little bit of context for for the audience and the listeners, um, I appreciate you saying all those things. And I've had a lovely time in our, shoot, I guess, you know, only a few interactions, but I feel like every Mm -hmm. time we get together, it's so incredibly impactful and deep and we talk about everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So getting to that, that point in realizing so many things about how I got there, who I got there with, what it took for me to get there, and ultimately, you know, what was left of me hmm. wasn't the full and whole version that I had now spent, you know, all of 2020 and, you know, going back, you know, into 2019, figuring out, you know, what it feels like to be whole and myself hmm. and, Man, I've reached those pinnacles in my life many times building, like you said, you know, building other people's dreams and great experiences. Nonetheless, I am not I don't regret anything that I've done. It was all, you know, you know, it helped me in my evolution process to get to where I'm at now. But, you know, back to your question, 
and getting to the top of a cliff where I was the owner of a private middle school that I started with, um, you know, some guys that I was working with. And for a while, it felt as if we were, you know, aligned Mm -hmm. on everything. Mm -hmm. And over time, as I, you know, knew in my soul what was right for me, I started to be able to not even just like see or seek out where we were starting to diverge our paths, Mm -hmm. but I felt it. I just felt it. And, um, you know, getting up there on that cliff and having, you know, 40 plus kids in a school where I was for the first time had implemented a holistic health curriculum um, that was still, you know, a work in progress, Mm -hmm. which that leap was scary in itself. That was like a a baby leap along the way. Um, It just got to a point where those people at the top, as you referenced, that are like not wanting you to jump. I'm like, well, I have to, guys. I have to. Mm -hmm. Like, I have to be the captain of my own ship. Mm. And I think I even said that when I had a conversation. I did say that when I had a conversation with, you know, now my my former business partners. And I took that jump. And that jump was scary. It was dark. It was, you know, intentional. There was plenty of good and whole intentions behind it. But also in making that jump, you don't really know what's going to be at the bottom. (laughs) You don't really know what you're going to find. And so being open enough to be able to, you know, kind of go through what's been really cool for me, Nate, is that I've gotten to go through the process that not only did I just pull the process out of my ass and give it to the kids at the school when I was still there and give it to the coaches. um, It was a process that I had gone through for myself Mm. and you know i call it the ohio and it's short for open up be honest with yourself honestly evaluate yourself then set your intentions and then you can unify wherever you're at whoever you're around it will just naturally happen um and so when i got down to the bottom of that cliff it um a lot of things were coming, emotions and mm-hmm. dark days and days where, you know, like kids from the school would hit me up. Some parents would hit me up. You know, people would hit me like, hey, Matt, Coach Matt, like, are you are you going to come back to the school? And that stuff hit me hard. Yeah, you know, man. like that stuff hit me hard for sure because I, I recruited, you know, those kids. And I was a part of that process to get them to join the school where I was going to be, you know, a a major force in their learning and educational development, let alone like their life. And so that was really tough. Those feelings and dealing with those were tough. Um, You know, I've had a couple chapters in my life where I've gone through these transitions, but this one, you know, being that this was my business and, you know, the word that the school is called was a word that, you know, came out of my mouth, um, you know, just, on a whim, something that I created. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I knew that it was going to take some time. You know, I originally thought that maybe I'd be, and this was like right before Thanksgiving that I made the jump. Yeah. And 
I mean, it was like full on jump out of like jump off of a cliff, but like, fuck it. I'm taking my clothes off and I'm jumping <laughs> buck naked, bro. <laughs> like I, I went for it. And you know, what was really cool. And one, one thing that I must say that I found at the bottom was the support of my closest people. You know, they were at the bottom waiting for me. And that was a huge, huge realization for me because I haven't really scraped the bottom. I've scraped the bottom, but not like that. And not to the point where I was able to be vulnerable enough to allow the few people who really care about me to be there for me and pick me back up and be like, dude, like, you got this. Like, whatever you're going to do, you got Mm -hmm. this. And I realized in that moment also, like, who truly cared and who truly cares. Mm -hmm. And those were hard hard things to deal with myself for myself also, man, because I told you that story about, you know, my 30th birthday and then going through this process for all these years now or for these last few years, especially. And, you know, I grew up playing quarterback. I grew up as the man, bro. I grew up with a ton of friends. I was always the popular kid and doing the things to make sure that everybody liked me and whatnot. Um, And, so to be able to stand on my own two feet, live by the principles that, you know, I knew to be true and then start to build my life off of that is um, so gratifying. Mm-hmm. And every day that I wake up and go through my own process, um, you know, I just I feel proud of myself when I look at myself in the mirror. I feel proud of myself and there's still more, much more growth. You know, I still sometimes will like record a video for Instagram mm-hmm. and then watch it and be like, nah, not yeah. posting that. You know, I still, mm-hmm. I'm still not all the way where I want to be. And I don't know, you know, if anybody necessarily ever arrives somewhere, I think mm-hmm. that that's, um, you know, something that I struggle with at least and I make up that others do as well. But, um, you know, I, I scrape through and... I feel really good, bro. I feel really good. And I, I, what I realized in taking a couple months off and still making sure that I was honoring, you know, sleeping and eating mm-hmm. and my morning routine, mm-hmm. my nighttime routine, and, you know, still moving mm-hmm. and doing all the things that are, you know, in the Czech Institute foundational principles and all these things that you and I both have studied now for quite some time, I lived it. And without having work, Yep. in my life yep. um, for the first time really ever. So, you know, creating the space for myself and realizing like, man, I, I have time. I have time windows where I'm communicating with people. I'm connecting with the few people that I still care about. That's how I kind of started to, to get myself back into the flow of things. Like I started hitting up, you know, some people that I, love and care about and building those relationships back up and you know then it just kind of grew from there and i was able to um really just understand like i have these things that are non-negotiables in my life that i do every day that i won't interfere with Mm. and there's times in my day where i want to work with people and i I'm going to work with people in those time periods. And so for the first time, I really just took control of, you know, my my schedule 
and how I spend my time. Um, so yeah, man, like I could, I could continue to go, <laughs> but I, uh, I appreciate the question. Yeah, and of course, it's man. been a really cool transition for me to get to where I'm at, mm -hmm. um, with all of this. Yeah. I think one, uh, one of the reasons why I was so motivated to help you is because I just jumped again, mm -hmm. but I jumped backwards this time. Like I was playing around with the jump because you know, I have no fear. So, you know, people are like, don't jump, don't jump. I looked at him, stuck my tongue out, put the yeah. peace sign up, and I just yeah, yeah. fell back, you know? <laughs> it was no hesitation because with me, I had the gym in New York, and I basically had like kind of like a partnership going on as well. And then the gym closed due to COVID, and then there was some decision being made of selling the gym, and they wanted me to, you know, take over as the full owner, and they wanted to sell it to me. But I knew it was going to shut down for the next 12 months, so I knew I was going to lose a lot of money. So what I want, I, I told him, basically, uh, the situation was he wasn't going to sell. So I was in LA and I was like, I had to make a decision for myself. Now, while going through that, I already had some problems when I was in New York last year of being, I was tired of being cold. I was mm -hmm. tired of going out, cleaning off my car, going to work in the snow. And I said, man, if I'm going to spend half a million dollars or a million dollars on a house, I need to be able to go in my backyard all year round. I cannot not enjoy my backyard, you know? So I came to LA for a couple of weeks, think I was going to just be here. And then I was scared while I was here. And the reason why I was scared is because I was having those scenarios in my mind like, yo, how about if I don't go back to New York? I build this whole gym in New York. I build most of the clients that's on that, that's going to the gym. I have so many kids depending on me, so many families depending on me. I trained the whole family, not just the kid, the mother, the father, everybody. And I'm like, yo, I just can't leave. Like, like I felt so responsible. And I knew if I didn't come back, I knew the gym was going to close. I knew the guy wasn't going to be able to keep it open. And the guy decided to just, he couldn't do anything at the moment because it was shut down. But then I get a phone call around right before I go to um, to HLC3 um, at, around August mm -hmm. that he's going to sell the gym. And I felt devastated, especially knowing the fact that when he sold it, I got nothing out of it. Mm -hmm. After building a website, after building a logo, after doing re, doing a website, I mean, everything. Like restructuring this gym and building mm -hmm. it for what it was. So I was scared. I was like, all right, so LA it is for right now. How can I build a business out here during COVID? <laughs> In person. You want to come train with me during COVID when people were freaked out, right? So I just got through that transition. I was starting to build up my own business, DreamFit. But I did it for another business already. So while I was building my business up, I had this confidence. So when you met me, I was on the, the way up, basically, of building my, my own business. So when I met you, when we met up and I knew you wanted to make that transition, I'm like, dude, you're from here. Like, I'm not from here. Like, you've been living here longer than me. Like, you have connections. There's no doubt about it. Your business will boom if you just do these things. So I knew when we were in a park, I gave you these ideas, just small little ideas. And you immediately just started, like, that's all it took. Just boom, boom, boom. You're like, you know what? I know I can make a garage gym. I can do this. I can do that. So you, you've you come a long way just from knowing you for a couple months, you know? So, um, but the journey is always going to be dark, bro. Now, there's a couple of things I want to get in with you because, you know, the questions took you on a deep journey where, um, you know, we, we forgot to do a little intro about yourself. <laughs> so I want the I want the audience to know a little bit about you. Um, you mentioned that you played some sports growing up. You mentioned the Mamba mentality. I mean, um, academy. I want you just to you know you know were you a a big time athlete growing up? 
Were you used to being the man on the field in football? Um, and if you were, how'd you make that transition from being a man on the field to not no longer being uh, that dude in sports anymore? Great questions. Um, you know, it's really funny, Nate, as quality of time that we've spent and amazing conversations that we've had, um, we haven't really like gotten into like the simple upbringings of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to uh, give a brief overview. I think it's kind of therapeutic in nature for anybody to have a platform. So I appreciate um, just being able to talk about it. But I was born in Florida. I don't know if you knew that. Most of the stuff you probably won't actually. So this is good for well, you Florida. and the audience. Uh, Brandon, which is in Tampa. Okay. Um, still have some family down in Florida. Um, spent then a couple years in Pittsburgh. And a large majority of my family roots are in Pittsburgh. Um, everybody's damn near passed away now. But um, I got the Pittsburgh on the back of my arm here. Um, Is that it? It then took me to Cincinnati, where I spent years like six, I think, through 18. I'm not surprised by that. Because Ohio people happen to be the nicest people that I've ever met in my life. I think I'm pretty nice. You are so. very nice. <laughs> so that, that makes a lot of sense for me now. Keep going. Um, so I grew up in Cincinnati, uh, played football, baseball, basketball my whole life. Um, stopped playing baseball think my sophomore year to give a brief overview of how my high school sports career went uh i mean you asked the question like were you the man uh etc and i was a late bloomer mm -hmm. but i was always the quarterback so i guess you could definitely say that i was always the man um in basketball I blossomed like into my senior year, junior year. I was kind of like the eighth guy. Um, had a couple good games where I got minutes, and then the next game I'd get like no minutes. Mm -hmm. um, but I was, you know, six three, a buck, probably a buck fifty my junior year. My senior year, I maybe got up to like one seventy, one seventy five. Um, had some scholarship opportunities. Going into my senior year, get erased because my first game, we're playing against Colerain. For anybody in Ohio, you know who Colerain is. They're always a national powerhouse. Um, so it was a big game, big Division One game, and it was televised. Man, if any of the homeboys uh, are listening, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I think we had like... 8,000, 9,000, and it could have been 10,000 at this game. Mm. So big game, biggest game of my life to date. Definitely college coaches there. Um, and second quarter, I believe we're down 14-7. believe the play call was Sluggo. And mm. I threw a ball to my dog, Kevin Weeby. Um, as I threw it, I get blasted play side. And the dude who hit me, Gary Goins went to Cincinnati, started for four years, uh, big guy. And I was, like I said, I was frail. I was late bloomer. Mm -hmm. had no hairs on my chinny chin chin, like nothing. <laughs> and so I'm laying on the ground mm -hmm. and I see, see my dog, Kev. I shouldn't blast him like this, but he probably won't listen to this anyways. So mm -hmm. it's never hard. know. You never know. If he does, you know I love you, bro. Uh, but he dropped the ball. 
So oh, it was a man. it was a uh, right before halftime potentially uh, touchdown uh, tying situation. But I went to uh, get up, and my left side was I couldn't feel it. I couldn't move. I was stuck on the ground, and um, so I'm just like laying there, like man, what's going on? And so obviously they they. Everybody rushes out, going crazy. Paramedics come. They put me on the body board, treat me like I have a broken neck or something in my spine. Um, and so I get, actually we're playing at University of Miami in Ohio, and there's not a hospital close enough. So I had to get life flighted in a helicopter. Oh my God. To Cincinnati to go to that hospital because, you know, they thought maybe I literally broke my neck or back. And so, um, so happens that the next day was my 18th birthday. I'll drop that in there. And my boys showed up at the hospital. I think I got feeling back in my left side, oh my like God. sometime in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. I think it was my toes first and then I, it worked up into my, my hand. So obviously pretty traumatic situation with that. And, you know, college coaches weren't really trying to mess with a skinny frail kid with a I mean, I had a, I always had a good arm, man, and um, you know, I had to sit out. I probably should have never played football again after that, because that was one of those things, um, you know, where like radial nerve and mm -hmm. up, up by C four, and I had mm -hmm. issues all the way down my left arm and in, into my elbow, elbow, into my pinky, mm -hmm. and my my ring finger for up until like last year, honestly. What? Where, you know, I could be playing pickup basketball or whatever and get, get binked a little bit and I'd get like that, that stinger feel Ooh. and it would shoot all the way up because I severed it. What happened was I ended up severing a nerve up there at the top mm. and, you know, most of the time that heals, but I came back in week six mm. of my senior year because I'm like, man, I got to get this scholarship. Mm -hmm. So come back week six, I have a little dolphin neck collar. Which, like, as a football player, you you yep. think it's hilarious. The quarterback wearing you a little dolphin. You should not be wearing as a quarterback. <laughs> but I, so I couldn't even turn my head, and so I had to do the Doug Flutie, uh, drop straight back to throw to the left side, and that's mm -hmm. where I started to develop like a sidearm motion because I couldn't even turn my head to the left, which was crazy. Um, so all that happened my senior year, and all of the um, scholarships dwindled down to one. Wow. And it was University of Charleston, little D2 school um, in West Virginia. And so I took it. Uh, but I want to talk about my basketball situation, too, while I have the chance. Because um, I was a baller, and I'm still a baller. <laughs> you are a baller. Um, so it's funny because... You are I, a baller. I uh, think Because so. I, I see people who call themselves ballers and not ballers. I, I want to I check and you up got, with you. And, oh, we got to get on the court, bro. <laughs> I am where I am today because of basketball, bro. Man, I can't wait to see. Yeah, but you got man, jumps, bro. We're, we're, you, su we're you, such great friends, and we haven't even hooped together. We yet. got a hoop. I think it's the COVID thing stopped it yeah, from like us sure. even thinking about it because they the shut down the rims. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Um, we'll definitely hoop, though. So basketball my senior year, I was now going to be the man, the shooting guard from the year before. He averaged like 24, 25 my junior mm. year. And um, so now I become the man, and I had – beefed up a little bit. Uh, my neck was still all messed up, but basketball is a little less rough. So I start off the year first like nine games and I'm averaging 
like 20, you know, some yeah. rebounds and some assists and I'm killing. And our team's like nine and oh, we get to the holiday tournament uh, right before it's like New Year's Eve, I think. And we lose in overtime or double overtime. I can't remember to St. Xavier, who's produced a lot of really good athletes. And they ended up winning the Ohio Division One state championship that year. Mm. Lost to them in overtime and double overtime. Um, and so that was our first loss of the year. That night, um, specifically, parents told me, hey, like you don't need to go out for New Year's, but you can have you know some of the homies or some of your friends come over here and we'll keep it low key, keep it in the basement. You know, people in the Midwest, for all the West Coast listeners, nobody knows about what basements are, but you had basements in the Midwest and you hung out down there. Like yeah, you got basements be. in East Coast too, yeah, bro. You, got, you know about basements. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, we're hanging out and long story short, um, somebody, like I still don't know and don't really care at this point, but somebody decided to, to tell on the party. And the administration at, at my high school um, actually... Uh, to leap forward a bit, they all got fired because they all did some uh, weird, interesting, uh, I shouldn't say too much on this, but they all got fired for some uh, negligent acts after this case where they suspended me from the basketball team my senior year. For partying? For, 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 the, re- party? for the rest of the year. For the rest of the year. To I'm off the party? team. Yeah. Off the team. At my own house too with my parents who took the keys of the people who were at my house so that nobody could drive home. Right? And so... Wow. I was just at that point starting to get some looks for basketball because I was balling. And um, so I'm off the team. And at that point, that was the first time in my life that I got in the weight room. I was never, ever, ever like never about the weight room or even like working out or doing any of that stuff. I was always just naturally like one of the best athletes out there. So I could just do it. And it didn't, yeah. I didn't need to lift. Um, and so I finally like got into, all right, I need to bulk up before I go play college football. And I just kind of accepted that basketball wasn't going to be my thing um, and just hit it with my boys. And Mm -hmm. I put on like 20 pounds, probably got up to like 190, 195 before Charleston. Um, And, you know, I'll keep this highlighted, but I think my story is pretty crazy, man. There's a lot of chapters. And uh, so I went to Charleston my freshman year, um, ended up blowing a year. I uh, played a little bit and, you know, it was just kind of a weird situation where the coach really liked the quarterback, uh, Freaky Hunter um, from Florida, and we ran like a spread option. So, you know, I, I really wasn't, that really wasn't my style. Um, so I played like a little bit of receiver too. I was like dabbling around with that. I was running scout team at practice, which was fun. You know, I was killing at scout team um, and then but inevitably wasted my my year. Um, and in the process, I'm going to the gym, I'm trying to practice with the basketball team and my football coach is like, dude, Matt, like we've got you on a 30,000 quarter, $30,000 quarterback scholarship. Like you're not playing basketball. Mm. And so I'm like, how can you do that to me? Like, I'm not even playing and I'm young, you know, I'm yeah, immature. Yeah. I, I don't know really how to take coaching. Um, so I had the same thing though. My coach at Delaware state mm-hmm. division one, I, I played football. And we used to bust the basketball team's ass mm-hmm. in, in, in um what's the what's the what's the recreational league that they run throughout like off season in the gym where everybody tries to get like a scholarship. 
Uh, I it's mean, rec ball, but it's it's different a, it's, locations have different names. Like there's like the Drew League in like the tri-state area where yep. I'm from. There's like different ones. Well, there's a there's a league that the school runs, uh-huh. right? That everybody on campus can put their own team together yeah, and yeah. submit it. So we'll play against some of the basketball players. Now some of the backup basketball players, because if one of the star basketball players hears this podcast, he's gonna hit me up immediately. <laughs> but some of the backup players will come on. What they didn't know is that a lot of the football players, we were ballers in high school. Yeah. So we would trash them out. And they wanted me to play football. Mm-hmm. And my coach, I was a starting tight end. He's like, Doug, you're not playing football. I mean, basketball. Yeah. You're not, you're the starting tight end. Right. So I felt your pain when yeah, you said yeah. that. No, I'm glad we can relate on that. And again, something that we didn't know about each other. So this is lovely. Um, <laughs> and I was a basketball player my whole life. Right. I right. never played football. Yeah. Until my junior year in high school. Which is incredible. Um, that is incredible. But uh, so anyways, man, so I uh, I go through spring ball. I kill it in spring ball. Um, mm. And man, like my freshman year of college, like, dude, I grew up in a suburb of Cincinnati, which was, and there's so many stories I could tell you, but like where my life started to shift was my senior year. You know, um, like our school was 95% Caucasian, if not more. Yeah. And like no black people, a few maybe Asian and that was it. But my senior year, I had a situation happen where um, this kid came up after Katrina and um, he was just out at practice one day on the sideline. And I remember specifically like, you know, coach and some people like making some comments, like, what is he doing out here? You know, and, and probably some inappropriate comments too that I'll leave off this podcast. But I went up to him being the quarterback and talked to him and he told me a situation and I remember like feeling pretty hesitant to invite him back to the to my house um, mm. because that was, you know, like kind of a groundbreaking thing even for my family, which we've made great strides in the past. I mean, this is 2007, which feels crazy to say that it was that long ago. But, um, you know, I felt really hesitant. Like I never I, I got there was never a black person in my house, which is crazy. For real. Um, crazy. What? Yeah. And and so. I blessed my family with that. I called my mom. I said, hey, got this dude, Brandon. He wants to join the football team. Doesn't really have a great place to stay tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, can he come over for dinner? And I, I, I didn't actually even ask him if he could stay the night. Yeah. So he comes over for dinner. My mom cooks. Uh, during dinner, he's like so polite. Yeah. And I could tell like, you know, my dad was on edge a little bit and you know, because dad, a black dude was in his house? Yeah, so dad, if you listen to this, you know, we've had plenty of conversations um, <laughs> about just how much growth has happened so like over the years in general. Where's your dad from? Pittsburgh, man. Like the word is Pittsburgh kind of, didn't have black people in Pittsburgh? Not really, man. Like there wow. there's kind of a word. It's it's like it's it's hunky. Hunky. Uh-huh. And um, you know, it's it, it, it's hard to like place the blame on people because uh-huh. people just don't really know any better. People grow up, they have their upbringing, they do the best they can and they don't know, you know, what they don't know and they, mm-hmm. they don't expand. And, you know, that's what even drives me so much more to be so open to everything mm-hmm. and everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what made me, shit, I left the house at 18 to never return, you know? Yeah. Like I've been out here on the streets just doing it. And um, so, so he was at the dinner. He was polite. That was on very edge. polite. He ends up doing the dishes, which was like me and my brother were looking at each other like, what is this guy doing? Me and my brother didn't even do the dishes. Like we weren't really. Mm-hmm. My mom was the dish doer. Like she mm-hmm. made the food and she did the dishes, too. Mm-hmm. That was just kind of like how it was. And so he did the dishes. He refused not to. And then 
after I remember like working up the courage, like, hey, can can Brandon stay here? I remember asking my mom. And, you know, it was just kind of like a nerve-wracking thing mm-hmm. for the family in general. Um, that is crazy how it's a nerve-wracking thing to yeah. have a black guy in yeah, your house. Yeah, man. And now, like... I'm know, thinking, like, like an alien is a nerve-wracking thing to have in my house. Yeah, I mean, at that point in time, it, it wouldn't have been that much different, to be real. Wow. Which is pretty crazy, man. And that so, is... that is in, So, I'm going to teach you a couple things. Number one is... I'm 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 African American. Yeah. You get me? My my father's African American. I was raised by a black man. And my mother's Caucasian. She's mm-hmm. Irish and German. Um, but i I was raised in a black household. We are taught not to accept things for free. Mm-hmm. So with the kid, what's his name? Brandon. When Brandon went to your crib, he was showing his gratefulness, his grace through trying to offer his service of mm-hmm. his gratitude. You understand? Right. Um but that's very strong for you to know the situation you were going into. And people don't know what they don't know. Um, but it was very strong for you to know that there was going to be resistance there and having the courage to still do that because it wasn't seen in your town, you right. know, and it wasn't known. So, you know, good yeah, for my you. parents weren't the thank you, man. I appreciate that. And my parents, you know, weren't the only ones, you know, that hadn't necessarily opened up, you yeah. know, their thinking to yeah. Just accepting everybody. Yeah. Um. You know, all my my buddies' parents also. Yeah. And so we kind of mm-hmm. like I by doing that, it opened up a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. And long story short, not only did he end up staying the night that night, he ended up living with me my senior year, became family. Wow. And so that was that was a big life shift. And That's dope. Like he, man. Like, did he get along with your parents? Yeah. It became like this amazingly. Uh, evolution of a situation for everybody involved yeah and not just my parents not just me but like my friends and the whole group yeah the team not to mention like he was a baller too he was, yeah yeah, he was yeah. A running back became like our dn outside linebacker like he was a guy um and so that but changed. yo cincinnati got black people though yeah but not in the suburb not that the suburbs. i grew up yeah um you know, and and what what's crazy, man, is that we were we. It's it feels like it's ancient to talk about this shit because yeah, of course. it was only in you know oh three through oh seven. I'm in high school, and it was always such a thing yeah. to go play against Wynn Woods, who was the black school. Yeah. You know, like and yeah, and I I don't even feel right saying it like they were the black school. Yeah, like yeah, I yeah. feel uncomfortable yeah, saying yeah. it just to you, but that's kind of just how it was. Like, yeah. and there was. There was like nerves and things that were all just made up stories yeah. from all of our, you know, upbringings and just like the community that we were. And man, like just it's it's fun to have, you know, the ability to have this conversation with you. So, yeah. you know, we take it back to the to the roots roots. But um, so, man, like Brandon was my first black friend and yeah. he became way more than a friend. He At 18 years old? Family. Yeah. Yo, that is insane. Right. See, I grew up. In the most diverse city in the world, yeah, Jersey City, New yeah, Jersey, yeah. which is right across from New York City. Mm-hmm. I grew up with an Asian kid to the left of me, an Indian kid to the right, black kid, Latino, everything around me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, my I grew up with my father being black, my mother being white. Um, one, you know, both parents had drug addiction issues, but one was a drug dealer and more, and one was a drug user mm-hmm. a little more than being a, you know, she wasn't a dealer. Um, so I always saw the opposites of everything. Mm-hmm. So I was like, but 
from knowing the type of person you are today, I would have never guessed in my entire life that that's your case because you have a, such an open mind and open vibe and great loving personality that you would never strike me that you were raised in a strict uh, community that didn't have blacks or any other color, or any other race besides like, you know, white and Asian because you just have a, a great vibe. So I, you, your soul was brought to your family to give, to open up consciousness of making relationships with and breaking belief systems in that household, bro. Well, I appreciate that. And I love where this conversation is going. Um, you know, as organic as every time we hang out is, um, you know, you asked me, you asked me to tell who I am and here yeah. we are, you know, going back and forth. And one of your closest friends is Alvi. He's a black yeah, kid. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, he's half black, half white like me. For sure. Um, and so, bro, it's uh, it's amazing to be able to share this with you. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate you saying those things, man. And Yeah, I, man. As I, you know, go through my sports journey, it's like there was at the start and it really kind of started with Brandon. But yeah. at the start, it was like I was on a sports journey, but also like my spiritual expedition at the same time and at first it was unconscious like i was not aware that i was making decisions to undo like my programmed upbringing yep but now when i reflect back on and have this conversation bro when i went to charleston yeah i i was like man (laughs) excuse my french but (laughs) it's like fuck all these white dudes (laughs) straight up i really was man and i um you know made friends with Guys that I'm still friends with to this day, guys yeah. that came to my wedding yeah. that are black dudes from Miami yeah. and the South. Yeah. And so that, you know, like, and I, I probably wouldn't have done that had Brandon not moved into my house. You know, like, mm. I probably. Where's Brandon at today? He's in Chicago. He actually has a children's book published. Um, and he's he's doing some That's good fire. things, man. He's an artist. He's an artist. Uh, he actually played. A little bit of college football and a little bit of college basketball. That's dope. Um, so he's uh, we stay in touch, man. He, we stay did in he touch. attend your wedding? He did not. He, he did, did not. not. Um, he couldn't make it. Um, it's all good. Yes, but so, anyways, man. Come a little closer to the mic so they can hear you. To um, there you go. To keep going on this. Oh, you hear you hear the difference though, right? Yeah. Ooh, it just got deep. Mm. <laughs> we here now. <laughs> we here now, glad. So. You know, I go through back to the sports and we'll kind of go back and forth with like Mm -hmm. the sports and everything else. But um, I'm going through spring ball. I'm killing. I'm balling. You know, I'm having fun. I at that, you know, my freshman year, um, we were like smoking a lot of weed, bro. Mm -hmm. And I maybe shouldn't say that. But at the same time, I was young and, you know, and I only say maybe shouldn't say that just because, um, you know, I'm on a Team USA, you know, national team right now. And. Um, an Olympics, right. right? And well, you know, looking to be an Olympian, Olympic, you know, yep. an Olympic hopeful. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm not like worried because I, I know who I am, but, uh, just to, you know, cover myself there with that one. But, Bro, but you sudden, know, you can talk about like your past though and not be like held against it long as it's not like really breaking the law. For sure. The only I mean? laws we were really breaking was smoking weed and going to practice or smoking yeah. weed and going to lift yeah. or smoking weed and going to like work out, which was weird, man. Yeah. Like that's how we, that's how we rode. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, had great relationships, had a great time, wasn't allowed to play basketball. So mm-hmm. I missed my last spring game, which I think we had two in the first one I balled. Missed the last one and went to try out for Northern Kentucky's basketball team. Wow. And so 
What? I, I killed the tryout. Coach was like, hey, I got a spot for you. I'm like, all right. And so I had a decision to make. And I'm like, you know what? I'm doing it. You was at that cliff again. Yeah. And so, yeah, man, like there's been a lot of metaphorical metaphorical cliffs in my life. Yeah. And I'm happy to, you know, kind of go through these with you. So I make the jump and don't know anybody at Northern Kentucky, even though it's closer to where I grew up, which was nice because I was able to watch my my little brother play his senior year. Um, and he was a he was a stud athlete too. Didn't know you had a little brother. Yeah, yeah. He's uh he's 30 and he's doing well. Um can't wait for you to meet him also. Yeah, it's fine. Um so uh, I go through the summer of 08 and um, also I should mention that um, before my freshman year of football, I got a job with a company called Ignition and Ignition has put to this date probably 400 dudes in the league and wow. they're a training company based out of Cincinnati wow. and um, so I remember in that year, they, I was young. I was young bull, so I was kind of doing a barter deal with them. You just where, said a young bull. Yeah, I was a young bull. What you know about saying young bull? I know. I know people from everywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I, I'm young bull, and, and they have me. Basically, I'm trading my services for the ability to train with the trainers and get myself ready for my freshman year. Oh. And it was like Evan McCordy was in that draft class, so mm -hmm. I'm. I was like helping out with every program that was in there. And Cliff Marshall, shout out to Cliff. He's the strength guy at Indiana now. Um, man, he kind of gave me the structure. And there'd be workouts where he'd be like, all right, here's the structure. Now you fill in the blanks. Mm. And he just threw me into the fire. He liked my energy. He liked me. And so I'm running workouts with dudes that are like about to be pros. And I'm 18. You wow. know, I'm 18 years old. And so I, I fell in love with the fact that I'm like, oh. This is how pros do it. Like yeah. this is how college guys and pro guys really like really work. So I got a glimpse of it then before my freshman year, and I'm like, man, what have I been doing? Yeah. Like I've been wasting my life. So that was cool, and I kind of took that mentality with me to my freshman year. And like, man, I always I showed up to every practice early. I'm throwing the ball 65, 70 yards. I'm like, coach, man, like, bro, I got it. Make me the guy. You know, I'm just yeah, doing yeah. everything I can to to try to be the energy of the program, whatever. Um, but anyways, back to uh, transferring. Yeah, deciding to transfer to Northern Kentucky. That summer, I played in the Devereaux League, uh, which is similar to like the Drew League out here, where all the D1 dudes come back from wherever they're at in school in the summer, and they play in this league in Cincinnati. And it's like all the best dudes from Kentucky, mm. uh, Indiana, Ohio, that tri-state area right mm -hmm. there. And so I'm playing against like there's a like a University of Cincinnati team, a Xavier team, a Louisville team, like Damn. all these dudes. And we're the Northern Kentucky team. We're the small school out of the bunch. But I remember, bro, I averaged probably 15, 16 a game. I was Damn. like second or, or leading scorer that summer. And I was killing it. And like competing with these D1 dudes when I only had nine games under my belt my senior year. Yeah. And like I didn't even know that I could play with these guys. And so I'm like just figuring it out, bro. Like every time I'd go on the court for one of those games, it's like jumping off the cliff. You yeah, know, if, if we're course. relating it back to that, I'm like, man, I'm playing against Kashmir Ryden and some of these dudes who are like 6'9 and shit. And I'm yeah. like, I, I'm supposed to guard this guy? Yeah. Like, you know, and I was confident, but, you know, um, so those were cool lessons. And then I go to Northern Kentucky and finally start to uh, like get into the rotation a little bit and 
uh, end up failing uh, a drug test. And this is a story too. So um, NCAA came in, they tested two people, they failed. I was not one of those people. Uh, and that uh, night, we're like, all right, NCAA is not coming back. Yep, we're gonna blow down. Yeah. So we did. Came and back the next day. Next morning, yeah. coach pulls up the bus and he's like, All right, we're going to the clinic. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm still high from last night, yeah. man. We're at a shoot Damn. around. We're about to leave for a trip. And so obviously fail that, go in coach's doghouse, and from there it was like I never got out. Um, so that was two. So you never even got to play a game. Uh, I played. I played in some games. What uh, division was that? Got some buckets. They were D2 then. Now oh. they're D1. That's fire. Um, and uh, yeah, now you Got some buckets. What was the best game? I think I made my fir- my first game. I went three for three. Oh. And I had some little pull-ups. <laughs> 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 uh, I think that was my best game. I don't think I ever played more than like, you know, 10 minutes maybe. Yeah, but you just, you was a transfer. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I was a walk-on. Like was a walk-on. I, yeah, I got a spot as a preferred walk-on. So, um, you know, That's that was fire, making a bro. jump. Um, and like, you know, I was a kid who, I, I wasn't, I was coming from a football team. Yeah. From another school and, and had coming no over. tape. I had no tape. Yeah. Like even, so my high school coaches, you know, I got kicked off the team. So I didn't even have yeah. highlights from high school that I could yeah. show anybody. Um, Let me ask you a question. What'd you do in Northern Kentucky? Like during the school year? So this is a great, uh, that's actually where I was getting to. So uh, it was dark. It was a dark, dark mm. year, man. Like I, uh, I was into some things. Uh, I was kind of a part of, um, I was part of a household where, you know, I made friends with people like my boy De'Aaron from Chicago. Um, like I had some friends, man, and they're from all over the place. One mm-hmm. of my roommates was a professional poker player. Uh, one of my roommates was uh, like a, a club promoter. So we lived in like this two-story house, bro. And there'd be nights where I'd come home from practice. We'd come home from practice, and there'd be like fifty people in the first on the first floor. And I'd be knocking on my own front door, and they'd be like, "Who are you?" I'd be like, "Man, I live upstairs yeah. in my house." Wow. Um, and so I was exposed to a lot of that that party scene that year. Um, also, kind of got involved with um, just being in the entrepreneurial mind uh, set. Oh. With some different assets that were available for me to yep. be able to sell, um, <laughs> and so so that was happening. And then also in February of that year, uh, right after I failed the drug test, like towards you know yeah. lat- latter part of the season, I was up visiting um, a, a friend at Ohio State, and um, she, we were out. It was me, her, she's my ex-girlfriend, me, her, her roommate, and then two two of my boys, two of our boys. And mm-hmm. uh, we're coming home from the bars that night. And I think it was like February 18th, if I remember correctly. And it's like one o'clock. Long story short, uh, two dude or three dudes rolled up behind um, my boy who was like 10 yards in front of us. Mm-hmm. Walked him up the stairs to where my ex-girlfriend's apartment was. And uh, the their intention was to get into the apartment and, you know, do whatever they were going to do. Take us for what we had. Yep. And so I witnessed my boy get pistol whipped crazy. You know, like they beat hit, they beat his ass, bro. And I'm standing there with a gun to my head and have my ex behind me. I'm like protecting her. I had the keys to the apartment in my pocket 
Yeah. Which like they the, their whole intention the whole time was to get into the apartment. They didn't want to mug us and take our shit outside. And so uh, I felt like I was in this flow state mode where I was in control yeah. and my energy. Um, if I was fearful, then I felt like it was just going to be terrible for everybody. There was a dude standing in the back. With a big gun. I don't know what kind of gun, but a big gun. Shoddy or AK? AK. Definitely something automatic. Not a shoddy. Definitely something automatic. Hold on. So somebody just came to your your, this place, your Mm -hmm. girl's crib? It's an apartment in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Columbus, Columbus, Ohio. We're up at... at, um, So I'm visiting... Ohio State. Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're there, and as you're walking in, dudes follow up behind you, and then you got one guy walking around with an AK-47? Yeah. And then the other two had smaller what? guns. Yeah, and yeah. the guy who's holding a gun up to my head, who's talking to the girls behind us, it appeared to me that they knew that uh, the two girls lived there. It appeared to me that that's okay. what, that was the okay. case because they were asking them for the keys to the apartment. Okay. And so I knew, like, oh, you, I, I knew, like, what they wanted to yeah. ultimately probably do. So I had the keys in my pocket. Also, I had some other things in my pocket, cash and and some weed and whatever. Um, and so when they came to me to get, you know, me for what I had, I just gave him my wallet. I'm like, this is all I got, bro. Like, I don't even have a cell phone right now. And he didn't even, he didn't even ask twice. Yeah. And it was just like my approach and demeanor. But I'm sitting there also looking at my boy on the ground who. Why'd he hit your boy in the beginning? So, with? so he whipped out his wallet, took the money out and threw it at him. Oh, I'm like, bro, you literally, he asked for it. He asked for it. So they so the dude just they beat his ass, bro. They broke both of his orbital bones. Like, I, So for those that don't know, his cheekbones, like around his yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and his eyes were swollen shut. He got rushed to the hospital. But long story short, we're standing there, and they end up not getting into the apartment. We see one of the neighbors across the apartment complex open up their door. Appears that they rung the cops. A helicopter was above our head within, it felt like, like that. Um, but, you know, it was maybe 30 seconds um, after the person popped out of the door. Overall, we were probably up there for two minutes. Like, not a long time at all. So, they beat two minutes, quick. dude beat your friend up with a pistol. Yeah. And all it was Ran all three of them. Wallet. All three of them were kicking. Like, they jumped in. They, you know, they got him. Um, and then a cop showed up in two minutes. So... The police, the chopper was up top, and when the, when they wow. saw the chopper, they took off. Wow! And so you know, we helped my boy. We got into the apartment, and we're like, man, fuck! Like, hope, wow. hope the cops get here soon because they yeah. know where we're at, and yeah. we're not about to go back out onto the streets. Um, Adrenaline was probably crazy. Oh, bro. it was nuts! It was wow. nuts. Um, and the, so yo, shout out to them cops though. Two minutes, bro. Yeah, they was quick. It was quick. And Columbus, Where I'm from, man, bro, that's gonna take you about like twenty four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, twenty four minutes. There's a lot of things that happen in Columbus, man. Columbus has some some action up there. But um, so yeah, man, that was that was traumatic. Obviously, um, that was February of my sophomore year of school, and then it w- and that was shortly after I had gotten suspended. So I was in a really dark place that year. Yeah. And I think I ended up dropping all my classes that spring semester, and um, that's when I decided also um that I was gonna move to California. And All so, right. It seemed like you had a pretty cool upbringing, right? A pretty good upbringing, would you say, in the suburbs and stuff? Yeah. What sure. was causing you to uh, be so like a daredevil? What I mean is like <clears throat> putting yourself in a situation where you, you failed the drug test, 
Um, you transferred schools first, then you fill the drug test, then you go up to see what happened in Ohio. And while you're there, um, you know, that situation happened to you. And then after that, you know, were you still before going to California, when you when you went back to Kentucky, were you still smoking after you failed the drug test? Yeah. See, with me, I would have learned my lesson and like, yo, I'm not playing with that no more. What and a lot of people always go back and play with something, meaning like you the drug test came out, boom. When everybody found out after the drug test, everybody's like, all right, now we're gonna smoke. And then it comes back out the next day, and that's what puts you in a doghouse. What made you continue to take these risks that can get you in trouble? You know, that's a good question. I and I've pondered on this uh, for years now, you know, just trying to like be on this self-realization journey. Um I think that growing up and being, um, it goes back to like childhood, you know, yeah. like it goes back to um, not really just buying into what I was being sold, you know, whether that was like catechism classes that my parents signed me up for, um, you know, I don't even I, know what that is. It's uh it's like the Catholic church's, you know, school basically. Okay. And I never, I never like, I was like, well, what about the other religions? I, yeah. I always just remember being a kid and being like, well, why, why is, why do I have to be a Catholic? Yeah. And nothing against like any of the religions specifically, yeah. but that, that's just one example. You know, I think I, I always had this curiosity um, and I give, I definitely give a good amount of credit to my grandpa. And my grandpa was special forces um, mm. and has some crazy stories, man, was a POW in Nam and Korea, um, yeah. you know, and he's, he had been through, he, he's passed, but um, he had been through so many things and him and I had like a weird connection, especially as I started to get older, um, where, you know, I just was interested in his life because he did uh, different things. Like yeah. he wasn't just the norm. And... Um, I don't, you know, to put my finger exactly on it, I think some of those examples, but just more so, um, you're right when you said like my soul was, you know, given to my, my family to open, yeah. open their minds and open, you know, even now working with like my mom's friend and, and my mm -hmm. mom's sister and, you know, like going through that process is incredible for me. And there's a quote that just popped in my head that, that uh, Paul Check always says, like every third podcast, he uses it, and it's a quote from uh, Carl Carl Young, Carl I Jung. think. And um, it's every kid is tasked with the unfinished business of their parents. Yep. And you know, just some parents have a lot more unfinished business than yep. others, and not for right or wrong. You know, yep. I for a while blamed my parents. For a while, I'm like, man, I'm on the run because. I don't want like I don't want to grow up like that. Yeah. And our relationship was strained for like a lot of my low twenties. I didn't have a relationship really with my dad other than talking about sports mm -hmm. for up until I was probably like 28, 29, we started to develop like an adult relationship. Mm. And you know, like he was always there, he always provided things, yeah, but he never provided like an emotional and nor did I for him. Yeah, yeah. But he didn't know how to. His yeah. dad Growing up in in Pittsburgh, my 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 dad's dad, my papap, who's also passed, worked in the steel mines, bro. So you know, like they're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. And that's where like the term hunky 
comes into play where he didn't know any better, man. He's a union worker. You go to work. You know, my grandma stayed home. She made the meals, like very traditional. And I'm yeah. not mad at them for that. Like traditional Catholic. They yeah. love Notre Dame. You know, like there's so <laughs> many traditions that yeah, yeah, that yeah. they just upheld. And that's that's the best that they knew how to do, you know, especially yeah. growing up in those eras where like now we have all the information we could ever want at the tips of our fingers. Yeah, man. And so, um, you know, it's a great question, honestly. It's a it's a question that like resonates deeply in my head yeah. in my, and in my soul every day. Yeah, I also think for you though, like I like like as I'm looking at like as we're going through this journey with you, which is a fascinating journey by the way. Thanks. Uh, I love it. It's like I'm, I'm playing, you know, a movie in my head as you you're telling yeah, me yeah. through the journey, but um one of the things when you were growing up, you didn't get to see these type of mistakes being made in front of you. Right. So you couldn't learn from it. You couldn't be wise because mm -hmm. you didn't see anybody make these mistakes. Yeah. So what I seen a lot is when I went to college, I saw a lot of my teammates who grew up in a good situation like you come to college and now they're on their own. Mm -hmm. And now they're experiencing like, oh, I'm just going to walk around with weed in my pocket or yeah. I'm just going to blow down and smoke some weed. Uh, you know, I'm going to, you know, they don't know any better. Right. And then they start to learn at that age. Meanwhile, like I grew up on the street. So like I I know, you know, I never knew what it was like to have. I was homeless growing up. So I didn't know what it was like to have my own room. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we did have welfare. My mom got welfare and we all shared one room. And I grew up with an abusive mother. So like I was in college and I had no abusive mother around. They gave me a food card to eat meals off. They gave me a full scholarship. I would go to the library and I would literally see people crying at the library because mm -hmm. they couldn't afford the books yeah meanwhile i'm there and only have to do is show my id and i got all the books waiting for me already mm -hmm. and it broke my heart i'm like yo i'm not taking a. I need to take advantage of this situation mm -hmm. so but with you what happened is your soul never got to learn those mistakes your soul was was never got to do that your experience on earth never got to do that so you went through that and when you went through that that's when, in my belief, I mean, my observation, after going through those trials and errors in your 20s, it made you to the guy you are today. Mm -hmm. That's not doing none of that kind of stuff. You're married now. Right. You got a beautiful home. You got a business. So I like for the audience to know this because a lot of people are still making mistakes in the audience that, you know, that are listening right now in their 20s and they think their life is done, mm -hmm. you know? So... But that, that's what I want to show you. I mean, I want to just bring up to you. It's like, dude, you never... I had my dad. My dad was a hustler, man. You know, so he used to sell drugs in front of me. You know, and, and, and I saw my dad every day living life. I used to see my dad. You know what motivated the hell out of me? My dad was one of the smartest... My dad is the smartest man I've ever met in my life. Paul Check is one of the smartest people I've ever came across, right? And there's a couple other people. But my dad is up there, bro. Top three. Mm -hmm. Like, this dude will put this whole microphone together for me. And then he'll tell me how like how to operate this whole podcast and then he'll let me know how to kept um, keep the uh, audience attention what to say how to say so he'll go from being a mechanic to being a motivational speaker then he can tell you anything that happened in the bible mm -hmm. then he can tell you anything that happened in a buddhist religion i'm like dad how do you know all this yeah like he's just a genius and what i saw my dad is this smart dude who made a mistake mm -hmm. and had to live with that mistake for the rest of his life and then when he had me and my two little brothers, it was the biggest motivation for him to make sure that me and my brother didn't make that same mistake. Mm -hmm. So getting the education was huge. Oh, me and all two, both of my little brothers, both all college grads now, right? The youngest one graduates in a couple of months. But we living in hotels. 
You know what I'm saying? And I used to watch my dad. I'm like, yo, this dude is so smart. Like, I wish that he had the opportunity to, like, show the world. And I used to say to myself, I am going to be his opportunity to show the world. So I kind of saw my dad make a mistake so big, Mm -hmm. in my point of view, that I never want to make. So from that day, I'll go to college. I'll see my friends smoke weed. Man, I never touched that weed Mm -hmm. until... You know, I tried it a couple of times when it was night, when season didn't even exist, right? Season's over, you can't get in trouble. I never even took the chances with none of that stuff, bro. Mm-hmm. Because I played life like it was my second chance. Yeah. Where I had friends who didn't have that because you didn't know any mistakes. You didn't grow up in the situation that I grew up in. You know what I'm saying? So our backgrounds are very different, but the story kind of summarizes to be very similar mm-hmm. to where we are today, chilling in, you know, uh, the valley in Los Angeles, and and, and we're having this conversation. So, you you leave Northern Kentucky your sophomore year, mm-hmm. okay? And you went to California. Did you go to California for another school? Yeah. So, so what school is that? First off, let me uh, just say real quick on just how beautiful it is that you know when I explained you to Kristen, yeah. which is a hard thing to do. Just explain. Do you know to who somebody. Kristen is? Kristen, my wife. Your wife. Um, yep. You know, the first time I came up and hung out with Nate after HLC2, it's amazing that we can come from damn near polar opposite type of backgrounds. And yet today, as 32 and 27-year-olds, you know, almost, I make up that probably 99% of things we're mutually interested in. 100%. Which is just incredible Mm -hmm. that life has brought us to this point. But uh, back to my story. Um. (laughs) oh <laughs> nine i came to feather river junior college to play football again oh wow so i made the trek across the country um so what made you pick the school did you do your research so at that point in time uh my my ex-girlfriend her dad was a coach mm. and her dad became got the head coaching job at feather river junior college so i'm like hmm well you know, maybe this is a good opportunity for me to, you know, go back to football and get an opportunity to, like, hopefully win the spot and be yep. a quarterback. You know, like at Charleston, I wasn't wasn't getting quarterback looks. Yep. So, uh, go back to football. You know, after playing the basketball for a full year and a half, basically, <laughs> like summer before going into the full year, uh, I get out there and I go through camp and I earn the starting job. Fall out. Um, I think we were two and one going into week four, and I end up getting high load and I snapped my ankle and I broke my tib fib. Foot was basically backwards. I was spatted up and I literally, I I was trying to actually turn my foot back myself. I was like just in shock. Um, So that happened. So I burnt another year clock in in the fourth game. Couldn't get it back. So three years. Playing, no actual like meaningful minutes, mm-hmm. three years down the drain. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the doctors at that time told me that it was going to be a really difficult injury for me to come back from and mm-hmm. ever fully recover. So this was 09, uh, January of 2010, uh, me and my ex uh, moved to Moore Park, uh, California. For those of you who are listening, um, it's like... Uh, in, so you were with your ex for a pretty long time. Yeah, we were together for like five years. Five years. Yeah. Um, so we just picked Moore Park, California randomly. 
Like Where's Moore Park? It's in Southern California. It's like, uh, I mean, it's only like 25 minutes from here. Yeah. Like off of the um, 120 or the... The by Simi Valley? Yeah, yeah. Up Got by Simi Valley. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Like the 23 and the 118 up there. But... um. So we just randomly found an apartment. I uh, I got a job working at the YMCA, and I became like a director there. And I was running sports programs, and I didn't go to a single day of physical therapy for my broken tib and fit. No way. I have nine screws in a plate that no go, way. go through. Uh, I tore some ligaments in there and everything. And when I was the director at the YMCA, I decided that I was gonna build in time to do my own program. Mm. And so I did that. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't great. I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, I came up with the the greatest rehabilitation program for a, an ankle or low foot injury ever. But I went to the beach a lot. I got in the pool a lot. And I was doing a lot of single leg work. You know, mm -hmm. I was just kind of feeling my body without really even being, um, you know, hip to the things and, and in the know of the things that I know now that could mm -hmm. actually help. I was just, listening applying the things that i had learned to that point with my experience working with ignition and you know learning from those guys and just like you know figuring it out having two strength coaches at my first two colleges yeah um so i figured it out and i ended up getting my bounce back mm. and i ended up getting more bounce than i had ever had previously you know like it was in there so i decide uh my ex-girlfriend's um dad Got the coaching job at Ventura College, which is pretty close to Moore Park. Uh, in the fall of 2010, he asked me to come and be around and kind of just, you know, be there and see if maybe I could make a comeback that following season. Mm -hmm. So I was there. I was around the program. Some of the guys, like I'd be out of practice and stuff, and I'd be throwing the ball around. And some of the guys would be like, "Dude, like you should come out next year. Like you should come out in spring ball." So spring 2011. So that was 2010, and I was, you know, we were figuring it out in terms of life, like. It was tough to, you know, like, and I was making like not very much money at all working at the YMCA. And then I was doing some training on the side. I started my first company. So going back to like our original yeah. conversation, you know, I've always kind of had like the entrepreneurial mindset. I've 100%. Like wanted to adventure and get out and try things and fail on, yeah. and fall on my face and, and keep going. You're fearless. Yeah. You're very fearless. Thanks, man. That's I, a perfect entrepreneur, by the way. Our friendship is fearless. Um, yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, 2011, I go out for spring ball. I end up earning, uh, earning the job and going into 2011 fall season. Um, uh, I had still been like working and I was taking classes at junior college, yeah. uh, trying to, you know, keep my life on a, on a steady increasing path. And, um, so I start the first five games at quarterback. We have, having a good So for start. what? Ventura College? Ventura College now, so which is another JUCO, which is now my fourth year of eligibility. That is insane. So uh -huh. yeah. So I um I start where I think we we're we're either three and one or four and one, but we're 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 off to a good start. I was I was balling pretty well. Um and you know, like my my story had just been nuts, man. It's like football, then basketball, then football for four games, take a full year off. And come back to football. So I hadn't like had much tread on my tires, man. Like I hadn't yeah. played a lot. Uh, Another thing too, man, is like one thing that since we're in this moment, I just want to make sure because I'll forget to t tell you this, to be aware of this. Um, one thing based on like you moving so much and things like that, don't don't um, if you have been feeling this, don't feel ashamed of of not feeling like you're a part of something. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. Because we went from South Carolina, correct, to Kentucky. 
to um, um, California, mm-hmm. and you're moving around, especially in the years where you're trying to find yourself in your life. You see, when I was in Delaware, like I was in Delaware, I stood with a group of dudes where I at least built some relationships with them where I felt a part of something. Right. You know, um, when you're an athlete, you're trying to find a, be a part of a team, mm-hmm. but you're jumping from a sport to a different sport to a different school at the same time, yeah. which it can traumatize the uh, pattern within you to feel a part of something. So to this day, you may feel like you're not a part of something. Yeah, and I would say that I built, you know, some some poor tendencies and habits and, you know, I cherish and honor, like, there's still friends and, and, and guys from each chapter of, of my life that, you know, I keep in touch with and I'm, I'm close with, but I definitely built that tendency, you know, it was a tendency that I think started when I was young. Yeah. Like, this is rooted all the way back to childhood where, you know, I just built up uh, walls, like, if things didn't go my way... Yeah. I was just going to, you know, run for the hills and run in another direction. Yeah. Which, you know, is not always the best thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Like it took me 30, 30 years to figure out how to water the grass under my own two feet. Yeah. And and, and so, 30 years is not like people like die at 69, yeah. 70 years old never doing this. Right. right. So it's like 30 you're still young as hell and you're yeah. still able to make this mature, you know, um transit um trans transition for yourself. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to pull you off the journey because you're very. This story is getting me like it's like a movie. I want to continue press play. <laughs> so sure. you're at the college, yeah, right. You 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 start balling out in a way. Yeah. So it goes from there. So so I ball out. Uh, they actually move me. Um, so it's like week five. I throw a pick on a rollout smash. Coach benches me, and I'm like, yo, I'm at that point. I'm 23, 22 or 23. I'm the oldest dude on the team, and I'm like. I'm not standing on the sideline. This is my last year. Yeah. I'm like, nah. Like, put me back in a quarterback, put me in an X, or I'm I'm out. Like, yeah. I'm leaving. And it wasn't a mature thing to do, but I'm I was it was the competitor in me too. And and so next possession, I get thrown in an X. And which for those of you who don't know football, that's the outside wide receiver position. And uh, I just start mashing the corner in front of me, like picking him up. There's literally, I have videos like picking him up and putting him down. Yeah. <laughs> and and then the next game, my first game starting at receiver, I think I went off for 100 yards. Like I, I became all conference that season as a receiver, which is just nuts. Yeah, that is insane. So um, end up uh, that, this is, a, this is a weird part of my journey too. Uh, this dude who was like kind of an agent, kind of a manager for an agency I, I don't even really remember but he was representing ty hilton which it worked out for him wow uh wes carroll who played at fiu with ty hilton and then this uh big lumberjack tight end cat from like north dakota or uh north dakota state and me i was the fourth person that somehow he finds me and it's just like i want to i want to like help you out so i get invited down to this uh, like little combine workout situation where there's some NFL scouts and CFL scouts at, and they got the lasers out. It's like an official deal, and I clock a four four eight. Had no idea what I was really doing, man. That's insane. I clocked a four four eight, 
For car. those that don't know, that's a really fast test for your speed. Yeah, uh, the 40-yard dash. 40-yard dash. So he ran a 4.48, which is really fast, especially for your height and yeah. size. And I was like, you know, I was 6'3", 210, strong. Wow. Uh, very athletic. And I was, I caught everything that day. Yeah. And I got an opportunity. I got a call um, to be a part of the Edmonton Eskimos up in CFL. And it wasn't but like two days later, they had already like booked my situation to come up. They told me that they were making a move on Ojo Cinco. And I said, what? okay, so what's that mean for me? And they said, well, we're going to put your name in the, you know, in around with some other teams. We wish you the best. And I'm like, okay. So after that, nothing, bro. Football career over. Oh, That's it. Nothing. Football is the dirtiest business to yeah. ever be a part of. Yeah, so that was spring of 2012. And then my junior college asked me to coach at the junior college. And I was also starting, like, my business that I had started in 2010, I still was hopping back into that and doing some activations with some high schools and some youth groups. And I was getting going with that. Um, and so I was, I, I, shoot, I think, like, that first year, Worked with like three or four different high schools and had several youth activations. And then I was the, the coach. I was coaching, working with the strength program and doing uh, quarterbacks and receivers and helping recruit my first year of coaching Damn. back in 20, you know, 2012, 2013. And so I stayed there for four years and worked with, shoot, I don't know, eight to 10 to maybe 12 high schools in that time just mm -hmm. on like contract deals with my, my company that I had. Um, and so just collecting so much experience, I also, in the years of like 2013 to 2016, worked with a couple different physical therapists, you know, just kind of was bopping around, man, mm -hmm. like getting, getting work wherever I could, making contracts with people, however I could knocking on doors and, and just like sending it, bro. Like hitting people up on Facebook, hitting up a mm -hmm. random coach that I didn't know, like, mm -hmm. yo, here's my experience. Here's mm -hmm. who I am uh hire me or like give me an interview and i'll and i would show up and most almost every time i showed up for an interview i created a position for myself um <laughs> uh, wow and, and so it's kind of funny how that goes um and man like i love those years of my life because i was just figuring it out yeah and i was coaching a bunch of people but at the same time when i really reflect on it now I was coaching myself. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm telling them things that I wish I was living by. Yeah. And for everybody out there, man, like all Santa Clara, Santa Paula, Grace Brethren, Ventura High, Oxnard, um, you know, everybody else, Grace Brethren. Who else, man? I don't know. The list goes on for all of you guys. Like sometimes I, I will go up to the 805 area and I'll be like, I'll go to like a coffee spot and somebody will walk up to me and they're all grown now. And I coach them when they were like, 14 15 years old i don't even recognize them they're like coach coleman what's up and they come and dap me up and give me a hug and i have to like you know recollect in my head because at this point in time it's been thousands of people <laughs> thousands of people that i've coached and um you know if there's one thing i want to say to every single person that i've ever coached is that um i'm sorry that i <laughs> i'm sorry that i wasn't uh where i'm at now but at the same time, you were getting the best version of me in those years. You yeah, know, man. I I didn't know any better. I, I really didn't. And um, you know, if uh, if that if you're listening to this and this rings true to you, and you want to reconnect, 
man, I would love to. So I, it feels good to say that, man. Like it yeah, feels get good off to your chest, that, bro. Yeah, for sure. Um, but one thing about it is like, what you have to um, understand is that your whole journey with your sports, anytime you were hitting some type of um, peak, the universe said, nah, it's not happening, bro. <laughs> yeah. Right? So your journey, if you look at it, is that you had the frame and the skill set to play at multiple colleges, bro. Like mm-hmm. people came to play at eight college. You mo- you played at multiple and multiple sports at the same time. <laughs> but what was going on with you, you was like, up, oh, I'm gonna try this way. Up, oh, I'm gonna try this way. Mm-hmm. And each time, not only have you learned how to play that college sport, but you also made connections, which led you to getting your first coaching job, which led you to being also doing a side hustle at the Y. And then also had you doing your own job as far as coaching kids, where if a kid came up to you and they play basketball, you, they can relate to you. If a kid came up and played football, they can relate to you. If a kid's having trouble in school, you can relate to that, right? Yeah. So you became what you were supposed to become, right? And you were on the journey of learning. Now, you, you apologize to these people just now, but one thing you have to realize is that you are on a you're you're consistently trying to grow. So you're not gonna be as good as you are today tomorrow because you're gonna be better tomorrow because that's just how you flow. You're always looking mm-hmm. for that growth for yourself. Yep. So that is very, very outstanding, man. Um we're on an hour and an hour and some change on the podcast, but one of the most um coolest things that I learned about you um is that you worked with one of the biggest, one of my biggest role models. Mm-hmm. And that is Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. And Kobe Bryant for me was growing up, Kobe was my my religion in a way. He's the one that gave me faith and hope because I never knew what a motivational speaker was at, at 10 years old living in hotels. Right. But I used to always wait around for Kobe Bryant's post interviews because he always said something that motivated me. And then YouTube was out and I would go on YouTube Kobe Bryant's quotes or interviews and that mama mentality is something I built and helped me get to where I am today. If it wasn't for Kobe Bryant, I probably won't be where I am today, mm-hmm. especially with the kind of mindset that I have. So you working with Kobe Bryant and working with the company, Kobe Bryant's company, mm-hmm. um, and you having a relationship with Kobe, how was that? Man, you know, after all of the coaching experience that I had accumulated to that point, um, it's it's very interesting to reflect on because I thought when I got there and then I became a director there for the football program that I, you know, my vision, I'm like, man, I have it figured out and I'm, I'm doing this. And, you know, I felt like everything that I was doing was uh, a part of the reason why the, the Kobe contract was being created. Um, and this was, you know, and that's probably partially true. You know, I don't know the full stories with, you know, the CEO and, and the people that I that I worked with there in terms of every everything that went on behind the scenes. But I knew that we were grinding and we were going and we were building. And I was given an opportunity to work in a corporate environment and have backing. And that was the mm-hmm. first time that I had ever been in that type of a situation. I was hiring everybody, man. I was hiring <laughs> all my boys. You told me. Like, yeah, you told yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, so what position did were you in to hire people? So at- I started just in sports performance, and then eventually I built the program up, and I was bringing the community in, and I became the director of football at Mamba. I mean, Mamba Academy. Yeah. So it was sports academy, and then um, 
I think maybe I told you this story the first time I came up. Yep. Uh, so going into, let's see, it was December of 2018 when the football program was in Florida. Mm. And we were at the AYF Championships and I had five or six coaches with me and a team. And we um, were coaching a bunch of kids. And that was when we dropped. We were the first group of Sports Academy to wear that Mamba logo. The oh. first group. And so we took a lot of pride in that, bro. Like there was so much pride. And man, we were spreading the Mamba mentality when like I had had two conversations with Kobe. I think I told you that too. Like that's it. And they weren't long. They were brief. They were very brief. Kobe wasn't really around. His influence was there, obviously. But um, it was us having a person that is so monumental and impactful in all of our lives that we were able to go to any team. We had teams from all around the country coming through that tournament at Florida. And there's thousands of kids running around. And we're the booth that has the Mamba shit everywhere. We've got the Normatex laid out. We've got the Theraguns. We've got iPads with like cognition technology and all these things that nobody's ever seen before. But what I cared about was like, listen, you right now have the chance to change your life. You can change your mentality forever. And I was, you know, telling my my guys, like, bro, every team that comes through here, we're changing their life for the rest of their life. And this wasn't like Kobe, you know, giving this telling, to us yeah. and telling us what to do or that was anybody just his else. Consciousness and his influence already right. having that name on you. Right. And so, man, I think on my Instagram, like on Kobe's Kobe's passing day, which is January 26th, I posted three videos from that original Mamba logo drop weekend, which was like in a very impactful weekend for all of us. Um, man, bro, we were just speaking from our soul and it felt it felt like the right thing to do. Yeah. There was no plan. You know, the plan was these teams that stop by to see us, they're not just stopping by to put the Normatec boots on or put the or get Theragun. Like, who gives a shit about that? Like, that's everywhere. You know, you can go anywhere and get recovery, but you're coming here because we are the Mamba mentality. Like, I, man, I remember just how much pride I put into, you know, giving my whole soul to every kid that was looking at me in that situation and every kid that was looking at our coaches. And it's like, bro, you can be Kobe. Like you can have that mentality. Like he made it for himself. Nobody taught him how to do that. Maybe he had some great coaches along the way that he was open enough to listen to, but he created the mama mentality, bro. And so, you know, I don't know. I don't know so many of those kids that we coached that weekend. And I don't, they don't follow me on Instagram. I don't follow them. Like, yeah. I'll probably never see those kids again. Yeah. And so to know that on that singular weekend that I believe that we made an impact that hopefully lasts a lifetime for all those kids is amazing that I was yeah. able to be a part of something like that. And, you know, going through that and, and speaking about it now a couple years after the fact... It, it just speaks volumes to the impact that Kobe had on me personally and then being a part of something that his name was attached, attached to, to it, yeah. you know, it was 
He was crazy, man. Like yeah, that was crazy. that was amazing. Honestly. So you took it from there, from the mama mentality. You end up making your own middle school. Yeah. So and and then from having the middle school, now you're on your journey of being a, a coach, single coach. You have a you set up a nice gym in your crib, mm-hmm. something like me, right? Mm-hmm. Where what's the goal now for you? Man, man, man. So yeah. you went a part of a bunch of different teams in college mm-hmm. to coaching. All over Ventura County. Now you're down to Los Angeles County. You were part of the Mamba Academy Sports um, facility. Mm-hmm. You were in there. You actually, like, you had a big time responsibilities. We won't go too deep in that, but you were actually like responsible for a lot of shit there, right? Yeah. yeah. So then from there, you went and you, you and you build a middle school, bro. And when I first met you, you told me about the middle school, how you had like a a training program there. You had like a you was getting the holistic uh, nutrition course or the holistic class going on mm-hmm. um and i'm like I, I i didn't know if i heard you right i'm like i don't know if he just told me he started a school or he got an after school program <laughs> <laughs> so that's fair from there when i when we were speaking and and you were making this transition to becoming you know just by yourself and doing things um immediately i'm like bro this you build a school you were part of a big time um um uh, company with you know the Mama um, Academy, I keep saying mentality because I say it every day to myself. Yeah, um, you went to a whole bunch of different colleges and made things happen. You could have died the night in Columbus, Ohio, with a gun to your head. What things that what what, what I was trying to ask you is like, what makes you think you're not going to be successful now on your own? Hmm. And a couple months later, you are. Mm-hmm. So my question at this at the as we bring this to an end. Is to ask you, what now? So now, Nate, it becomes um, about the connection of us all. Hmm. And maybe that is big and it sounds big, but I don't care. Because it starts with you as an individual and it grows from there. And I'm not so much stressed about, I've seen the pinnacles of having hundreds of kids that I coach throughout the course of a week um, for consistent periods of my life and how fulfilling that is and Mm -hmm. and gone through those ropes. Um, Now it's about, you know, I I quoted that, that uh, I'd rather run with one than drag a hundred. And it's so applicable to right now in my life. You know, this conversation and being present and talking to you and having this moment is everything right Mm -hmm. now. Um, And going through my life like that and having, you know, 17 people that I'm working with where it's it's not about the number of people. It's about the quality that is happening in those relationships. Mm -hmm. And if each one of those people can say, hey, like you should probably not be looking at your cell phone before you go to bed. Yeah. You know, you should probably like breathe yourself to sleep. Yeah. Little things like that. I care about more than, you know, somebody adding a couple inches to their vert Yeah. or, you know, yeah. the, the physical things that I cared about for so long. And not that I don't, you know, I want people to achieve their goals, but specifically I, I believe that everybody is amazing and that everybody has just such a special gift to give to the world. And I appreciate the opportunity, man, to sit here because your gift to the world is amazing um, and incredible, bro. Like you are a special 
soul and human, man. And um, oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. This, um, you know, having the ability to, and the way that you even shape the questions, I really appreciate because I think all of us can go on tangents on like stories that happen, but it helped me to kind of chronologically in less than two hours go through my crazy ass life. Yeah. And, you know, we've all been through our things and everybody has a crazy story, you know, to an extent. Um, but I feel that it's, it's very therapeutic for me to give you the chronological timeline and then wrap it up with the, with the question of what's the goal now. Well, the question is just connecting and unifying. Mm. And if, if we're talking about, you know, the, the mantra of why I'm calling, you know, my new programs, the Ohio programs, even if it's one-on-one, I'm still honoring the Ohio process. And again, I'll repeat myself. You have to, in my opinion, and in, in the process that got me to where I'm at, I had to open up. I had to honestly evaluate where I'm at. Then I had to set my intentions. And now I feel as if I'm in the unification process with everything that I get the opportunity to do. But that process can flip over in an instant. It flips over when you ask me a question. I'm like, okay, let me be open to receiving your question. Let me honestly evaluate it. Then let me set my intention for my response. And then now our response, my response unifies us in just, you know, the way that we're sitting here talking about it. So, um, yeah, bro. I think that's it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's an amazing answer, bro. Thanks. It's an amazing answer. Amazing time spent just now talking about a lot of deep things. Um, I'm, I'm, I believe in your mission 100%. If I didn't, I wouldn't give you my time right now, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and you have nothing but great things coming your way, bro. Um, you're doing everything out of the intention of love and the uh, intention of helping others. Mm-hmm. I'm going on a similar mission. My goal is very similar to yours. And um, you're gonna keep up. You're gonna you're gonna kill it, bro. You're gonna kill it. And we're, we're gonna have way more podcasts together. Yeah, you know, 100%. so people are gonna be like, "Yo, bring Matt back on, bro!" Like that was fire. <laughs> but um, for those that wanna follow you on Instagram, can you give your information out on Instagram or where they can find you, like your website and things like that? Sure. Um, Instagram is Matthew O O Davis K O. One more time. M A T T H E W O O Davis. K-O. And that will also be in the description and the show notes of this podcast, too. Cool. And then website is on the way, guys. I'll uh, have Nate send it on his Instagram story or something when yeah. I drop that thing. Yeah. And then when you drop it, I'll just go back and edit the, the description to the show and it will be there. Cool. Um. All right, man. Well, great great talk, bro. I forgot we were recording sometimes. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to man. you. Because <laughs> well, this, this is how our conversations just go. Oh, man. all the time. You know? All the time. But I'm happy we did it like this because I would have been mad to let all this go down and say, damn, man, I should have recorded that. I know. The, the few times we've hung out, that's how I felt afterwards. Yeah, me too. You know, me like, too. Hey, we should have just recorded that. We should have recorded so that. Raw every time. Every time, bro. And we yeah. got to get you up here for like a workout. What I'm going to start doing is I'm, I want to start an open gym here Yeah. on Mondays from like 3 to 6, 3 to 5, 3 to 6, and have people come and work out. So you know how sometimes like... You know how my schedule's crazy. Your schedule's getting crazy now. We can't find the time to chill. Yeah, I have an open gym where my time is always open for you, for everyone else that wants to spend time with me. We work out. I'm going to hire a videographer. And he's going to record everything. Oh, All the raw that's... conversations. going to be raw footage. Let's so we'll get it. a workout. So we'll go from talking. You know, we'll have probably a high school kid in there to a college athlete to my barber to you. And, and then this kid going through, you know, 
a heartbreak with his girlfriend. Yeah. And we're all there to give him that advice yeah, while yeah. while fixing his tight hip flexors. An eclectic ass group. Exactly. Hey, shout out to my Team USA brothers. We didn't even talk about that. Yes, we didn't talk Jesus. about that. We didn't talk about that, but we'll definitely have to get you back on to discuss more about that, For man. Sure. And I want you on. Situation on that. Yeah, what I want too is I want um I want to bring you back on and have an open mic conversation. Yeah. I have all these visions, but you're the first guest in my new podcast setup in my new home. Well, thanks, man. What an honor. Yeah, right. So this is what cool. So I, I I invested a lot of money to. I, we got to get one more of these, of course. Yeah, yeah. But um, I invested some money so I can make these conversations just flow right. And I didn't want to record it because I wasn't. I didn't want that to become a distraction of like making sure it's focused and the battery dying. I just want the flow on this one, bro. And. That camera would not last an hour and 40 plus minutes that we're doing right now. We flowed. We did, bro. We did. <laughs> well, guys, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with a friend. Um, the the journey that Matt took you on, um, while he, you know, he was very open and vulnerable during his journey and very honest, you have to understand that he has learned from these things that he was as he was going and it built him to where he's at today. So if I would have sat Matt down 10 years ago, he would not know. He would not give you a, de a definite answer. Like, yeah, I know I'm going to be in L.A. 10 years from now. We didn't even talk about the fact that you own a house in L.A. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're like renting. Like you own a house that I have to go to um, and visit. But as you told um, by, you know, what you told me, it sounded like a beautiful home. And, you know, that's a huge accomplishment as well. You're in a, in a, in a marriage for a couple of years now. That's mm -hmm. another huge success that we didn't bring up. Nope. But where Matt is at now, things started to fall in line. So if you look at your journey and look behind you, you notice that the, the dots start to connect. So everything that you thought was dumb or hard or a heart, you know, having a, a broken heart from things, you start to learn is building you up to be where you are today. Mm -hmm. And that's where we got the witness with your story, Matt. So I appreciate you coming on. If you guys enjoyed this, share with a friend that needs to hear this or thinks they will enjoy this or a family member. And if you can, subscribe to this if you haven't already and leave a rating so we can get this podcast up and going, baby. So people can listen to these stories like this that we had today. If you have any questions, send me an email at begreatwithnate at gmail.com. I'll holla at you at the next podcast. Peace.